It's Positive Spark Plug time, and I'm your host, Candice, and I am so pumped for you guys today, for we have Kevin Cooney on the podcast, and he shares his entrepreneur journey in how he started to where he is now, to where he is going, and this is such a fun, inspiring episode. He shares his first journey on collecting golf balls, to selling them, to selling free things, to making coffee. It is just a fun, inspiring, insightful uh, journey of an entrepreneur who is making the most out of his life, his dreams, and he's bringing all his TikTok followers along and he shares it with us and I just cannot wait for you guys to hear it so let's get to it. Hello Kevin, thank you for joining me on the Positive Spark Plug podcast. I am so fired up to be having you on. You are such a joy and excitement to the world. You bring so much hype to people's mornings, nights, midday. But not only do you hype people up, you are such a man of value and service. And I am just so excited to have you on. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, hello, you bad, beautiful bitch, you, huh? Good God, thank you so much for having me on. This is awesome. I'm so fired up. Um, my my first question, I, I've started asking my guests since, uh, you know, the whole COVID lockdown thing, just to bring in some fun enlightenment to it is, what are your three favorite emojis or the three emojis that best describe you and why? Oof, the rocket ship, obviously, super high energy, like, taking off to soaring to new heights um the sunglass one i took my sunglasses off but i do i do love a sweet pair of shades okay prepare to be dazzled you know what i mean yeah big, you do big sunglass emoji guy and probably uh i'd have to say the coffee the little coffee cup you know because obviously we're getting dangerously caffeinated always uh, you know of course. Mm-hmm. of course absolutely of course i love it i love it Speaking of dangerously caffeinated, you are a man of entrepreneurship. You have lots of different avenues going on. Um, Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about what made you decide to go down that route. Was it something that you've always thought of? Did you know you didn't want to do the typical nine to five? Or did you try it and you're like, this ain't for me? How did you get to that, that part of, you know, going, I want to do business, but on my own terms? Right. My first venture in that, and my mom has like old home videos of her filming us as kids. Uh, I was, so we used to live on, we had this little golf course near us and there was a water hole that shot over this like little gully and at low tide, the tide would go out and you could actually go and I would collect the golf balls that everyone hit into the ocean. And I was little, I was like four, five, six, every summer I would do it. It'd be my favorite thing to do in the summer. And I'd go out and I would get a little uh, bucket and I would collect all the golf balls and I would then polish them up and I would sit all summer long on the first tee box and resell the golf balls three for a dollar to all the golfers. So at that age, I had like, we're talking like a mushroom cut head to toe and denim, like very young, early, early, early 2000s. (laughs) At that age, I didn't know what that was called. I didn't know it was called sales. I didn't know that was business. I didn't know that was entrepreneurship. I just liked that transaction. It, it put a smile on their face, probably because I was like this cute little kid, but I liked that interaction. And then from there on out growing up, I always looked for that again. So then it started with like flipping furniture where I get things for free on Facebook marketplace and resell them, which I was doing that alone. Like I was able to pay off all my student loans from that in two years, just by flipping free couches you find on Facebook. So I like that. And then I was, I'm always like scratching that itch to find that, that feeling I had as like a little, little kid. Like I wasn't interested as a kid in like hide and go. I have a twin sister and an older sister and they'd be playing all kinds of games and swimming and uh, hide and seek. And for me, I, 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 
I did that from time to time, but I was so focused on like, I need to go get these golf balls. I'm going to polish them up and then I'm going to resell them. To, like that was my mindset as a little kid. So that's, that's where I got that first spark, that first kind of taste of entrepreneurship there. Wow. That is, that is mind blowing. Cause that, like you said, that's not something typical children at that age would be thinking or doing. That is right. so cool. That is, that is amazing. Um, Growing up, you're getting out of, you know, like you said, I was that cute little kid that might have helped them, you know, buying their golf balls back. Right. What, um, what was one of like your first kind of bumps in the road where you're like, whoa, this is going to be a lot tougher than I thought? I, I think it happens. I get those and people don't really see this, I think, because the Internet's such a, you know, not a fake place, but everyone's the polished up version of them. I have that every day. Every day, every day, there'll be little micro instances of like, ooh, whether it's waking up in the morning, and you're not really feeling it, right? You're not really feeling like getting up, going to the gym. It's early, it's dark out still, your bed's warm. All the way to like major things like a uh, year and a half ago it, during COVID, like COVID shut down everything. I was working um, this company in, in Boston, you know, this tech startup, completely laid off, you know, like had to like reboot, restart from there. So for me, it's all these little micro daily failures that that are never. I just I just got back from a trip. I just flew to Miami because I'm looking to buy an Airbnb down there to rent out. Flew down That's there. Insane. I stayed no joke 24 hours. I flew in the morning. I flew out early the next morning, uh, only to get back here and find out like financially, it the numbers don't make sense. Like you put all this money down to make such a small return on that specific unit, right? So that's a fail, right? I spent like 24 hours in Miami solely looking at all these different apartments only to find out, you know, the, the, the metrics on them just didn't make, there's still deals to be had down there. But um, so, yeah, I think every day there's all these little micro failures that, that, you know, come about in life. How, how do you, how do you cope and how do you deal with them? How do you get your mindset right so that, when these daily occurrences come up or big ones come up, you're able to stay positive, keep focused, mm -hmm. you know, find an, a, a way to find a solution for it. What, what is your way of tackling these hard, hard times? It's, it's the same every single time this happens. It's perspective. It's like, it's like major things will happen in life it can always, and I, for me, it's like, I listen to this guy, Jocko. He does this military podcast. Do you know, you've heard of Jocko before? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I listen. So I, it's funny. I, I, uh, my buddies will razz me for this all the time. Cause I'm a super positive guy, but I listen to like very depressed war stories almost every morning from Jocko. <laughs> so for like those, those of your listeners that don't know, Jocko has this awesome podcast. He brings on all these veterans from all these different eras of war. They talk about, you know, being like a prisoner of war or, or like going to battle. What's it actually like fighting in a trench? So, so my day-to-day -day major failures are still like this small on the grand scheme of things in the land of perspective. Whether that's like you wake up and your car doesn't start. Some, you know, most people are gonna be like days over, shut down, my life is over. When if you just zoom out for a second, take a moment of pause and you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is not a big deal or, or something a little bigger. You get fired from your job, no income, horrible. This is detrimental. My life's over horrible thing that happened, right? Now you get an opportunity, kind of a new at bat to reinvent yourself. So there's opportunity one, but again, zooming out and seeing that perspective, like this, it, this isn't that bad compared to those that, those that were fighting in like world war two went through or, you know, the, the horrors of, you know, Nazi Germany and all, you know what I mean? You, you these crazy yes. things in history and don't get me wrong. Everyone has their own battles they're fighting mentally. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm with them every step of the way, but to take a moment and be like the situation I'm in may or may not suck. Is it this, you know, basically second to like someone very close to you, like passing away there's really like nothing that major that's going to be like, and I always look long-term like, okay, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, is this, is this going to be still an issue for me? Most likely not, you know? Um, so it's, it's that it's 
always leading with perspective first to, to continue that happiness day in and day out. Yes, I love that. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge on perspective and, and really trying to not let things, you know, go crazy. One of yep. those times was um, I was actually camping with my boyfriend. It was our first night and we left to go do jujitsu at my gym. And oh, we nice. came back raccoons got into our tent like sliced our tent put a hole in our tent and it could have yep. been one of those things where we pack up and left but we duct taped right. the tent together and we Let's stayed the rest of the yep. time. <laughs> oh yeah sometimes that duct tape solution is the best one you know that's where the <laughs> yeah. were made yes yeah it was it was great like it was and it was one of our first kind of like times where we're just like hanging out we're fresh relationships so it was mm -hmm. one of the it was a cool observation to see how we both worked in like a quick little oh my god that was not expected <laughs> right 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 hundred percent i love yeah. that see that's it right there perspective you know yeah yes yes that. So you went to school was that to work on business was that to just kind of tune up what you're already wanting to do can you talk about that yeah i uh, i studied business marketing and i went to plymouth state so i'm 26 now i graduated in 2017 from college and yeah that was all uh mainly you know looking back super valuable lessons learned in college but um i think at the time like leaving high school and just kind of following suit, like this is the next step in life. You know, you go to college and now looking back, like I probably could have just went right out of college and started, you know, what I'm doing now. But, but, you know, I think college had a ton of valuable lessons that I learned, but yeah, I was, it was mainly to study business and kind of just learn more. You know, when you're a, you know, senior in college, you, you think you have most of the answers. And I knew, I knew deep down, I, I, there was still so much to learn. So, um, yeah, so I went to Plymouth State and studied um, business marketing, which gave me just more perspective. Just And he, he was, the funny thing is, is like in school, we we're learning about business marketing. That's what I studied. And yet there was never in my four years there ever a real mention of using social media. It was all like more the micros and macros of, of business. But and at that time, too, like TikTok wasn't around. It's not a thing right instagram was red hot at the time yes. um but it's funny it's like you kind of when you go to school to learn about entrepreneurship it's almost like an oxymoron right it's like it's like it's it's like they're teaching you things that you should innately kind of already have under your belt but the things they're teaching you in front of you are things that may or may not work in the marketplace like we're talking about like billboard marketing the power of sending emails and direct mail. I haven't sent one for like the, for dangerously caffeinated. We haven't gotten one sale by doing print advertising or billboard advertising. They all work. Right. But no one ever mentioned like the power of this little device, you know, in, in school there. So I, so yeah, I think teaching entrepreneurship, there's, there's, it's almost like a history class. You're kind of learning more about the history of marketing not necessarily where it's going, you know? Um, so I, I look at like um, business and marketing almost like when, uh, even though he traded teams, Tom Brady used to be a Patriot up here in Boston, right? I, I look at yes. business as when he would throw that ball, he's not throwing to the receiver. He's throwing to where that receiver is going to be. And that's the, that's the big difference. It's like you're in class, they're teaching to, to, to stay on that NFL, you know, metaphor, they're teaching you to where that receiver is when they need to be teaching you, where is that receiver going to be? That's the big disconnect between school and everyday life here, you know? Yeah. I like, that is a good analogy. I like right? that. <laughs> that, was, that was good. I, I really enjoyed that. So you got out of school and you already have somewhat of an idea of, of how to do an exchange uh, mm -hmm. product for money or product for product or sales yeah. for sales or however. How did you learn how to go to where the person's going instead of staying right there? How did you, how did you learn that, okay, what I learned just here is not going to be enough. I need mm -hmm. to move here in order for me to get it to work. 
Yeah. My first like real world lesson of that was we, so I lived in a house senior year. It wasn't a frat or anything. It was like a sports house with a whole bunch of guys. There's 20 dudes in one big colonial house <laughs> just off campus. Wow. For those that go to Plymouth State, it's 10 Pleasant. It's like the best house to have. But when we're graduating, we have all this, you have, you have sectionals, you have kitchen tables, mini fridges, microwaves, all this furniture. And our landlord's like, the big thing up there is like burn your furniture. Like there's like any sort of like sports game on, like someone wins, you, you just burn it. You're like, bring the couch outside and let's burn it. <laughs> so, so our landlord was like, our landlord was like, you can't burn it. You can't throw it in the dumpster. So here's, so we're stuck with all this furniture. And I'm like, holy hell, like what are we, we, we graduate in a week. We have, I'm, I don't have a truck at the time. I'm driving this little seafoam green uh, Ford Fusion. I'm like, we are so screwed. And you collect all this crap throughout the years, right? So we're trying to get rid of it. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Business marketing, let's put the hat on. How do we get rid of this furniture? And so I go, oh my God, there's this thing called Facebook Marketplace. It's like Craigslist, but, but not creepy. We should post it all on there. Sure enough, we post everything on there. We end up selling it within like the next three days. 50 bucks here, 100 bucks there, $5 here. And for us in college, that's all like beer money essentially now, right? Yep. Yeah. Not really like, but so, so it was kind of interesting. I was like, I'm about to graduate school and I'm like, ooh, I have a job lined up too, but I'm like, ooh, uh, we just made a couple hundred dollars selling our, oh, like, like that's like taking this chair and being like $5 face of marketplace. You know, if you just had more chairs, more inventory to sell, you could do it full time. So I was like, how do I do it full time? So then I started searching free. I do the reverse. I do. We just got rid of our furniture for next to nothing. So I'm like, I wonder yes. if other people are getting rid of their stuff for actual for it. And boom, that's so I was at the time. It's 2017. I just graduated. I have 60K of student loan debt every day. Religiously, it's like one couch a day keeps the student loans away that's like what was my saying at the time i would find items for free couches love seats coffee tables end tables beds box springs mattresses all this stuff and i would keep it at the time at my parents house in their garage who they were so gracious to let me use that space and then i would flip it and my dad at the time was would be dying laughing because every day we would have literally caravans of people coming to our house to pick up the stuff that I picked up only a few hours prior for free. I'm now selling it. So it'd be like hundred bucks for a couch, 50 bucks for an end table. And then it started to climb. It was like $800 for a really nice sectional, uh, $500 for a full bed set. And I was like, we are, so, it, so I was able to pay three grand a month for two years to student loans. Every dollar that came from the couches so I was like, here we go. This is it. I was able to eliminate this debt. I remember sitting down, my mom and I, after I graduated, we sit down with um, DCU, who my loan was through. And they're like, yeah, you, you know what? You'll pay 250 bucks every month for 10 years, and then you'll pay off your student loan debt. And I was like, oof. I was like, that is not 10 years? That's you know, I, I'm going to be in my, yeah. And then we know how interest works. And now learning about that, I'm like, oh, that is not the... So it's, it's interesting. It's like you go to school to kind of learn about what you're supposed to do in society. You're supposed to go to school. You're supposed to have student loan debt. You're supposed to slowly pay them off over time. So that moment that I graduated, I was like, oh, I'll never look back into thinking like regularly again. It'll always be these creative ways to find new revenue streams. And for me, it just so happened to be couches. But um, yeah, that was my first like savory taste at, at marketing to where that I need to be rather than where everyone else my age should be. You know what I mean? That was yeah. my first taste of that. Yes. Within that, within that, you said you had a job lined up. Mm -hmm. Was there any fear? Like, did you take that job or did you decline oh, yeah. it? No, I took it. I, I did. I, and that was actually how I got my start. So that, that job was a tool company called Tektronic Industries. And they would actually give you a truck. So at the time, again, I'm in this tiny little beat up Ford Fusion. And we just sold all of our school furniture, right? People were coming to the house and taking it. And I'm like, wow, I just had like a larger vehicle, a space to store this. I could do this full time. And for me, I've always enjoyed a full plate. So I, I took that job. 
knowing you'd get a truck out of it. And then every it, the, the hours were like seven in the morning to like three o'clock in the afternoon. So you have from three to like seven o'clock at night to get your side hustle on. So, oh boy, I was racking up the miles on that truck. I'd be thrown in every day after work. I'd pick up at least one item, at least. Sometimes it was like three or four things um, to, to get that business going. And then it slowly grew from out of my parents' garage to I bought a storage unit. So I put all the furniture in there. So, so Jim and Jan, my parents could park their cars back in the garage, which they loved. And um, yeah, from then on out, it was like, so I've always balanced, you know, having a full job and working on your side. So I love, for me, it's all about like spinning plates, right? It's like the more plates I have in the air, I feel more comfortable. Some people that freaks them out, right? It's like, it's too much. And, and me, I have so many plates in the air spinning. I know if one crashes, we're fine. Like, like you get fired from a job, you're still good to go. You got couch flipping still. You got, now it's like TikTok revenue, coffee revenue, merch, cameos, all that good stuff. But you, for me, it's like the more organized chaos I have, I'm less fearful of failure because if I drop a plate, whether that's, you know, you get laid off or, you know, you get fired or maybe, you know, hypothetically, let's say the couches for whatever Facebook goes down and you can no longer use Facebook you have so many plates still in the air, you're good. You can still breathe. You know, that you got plenty of things going on. So I, I get kind of nervous when, um, you know, I talk to folks that'll, and I, who me, like I used to have that too, who just work one job and that's it. And you're relying on that income to feed your whole life. And then I'm, I'm such a, like, uh, like, uh, almost like a small doomsday prepper. I'm like, Oh yeah. Well, what if that organization just melts? And then what do you do? Um, and then sure enough, COVID happened and, and uh, the job I was at, a tech company in Boston, they did. They laid off half of their organization. But for at the time, it was like all smiles because I had more. At the time, now I bought a truck, right? I now have my own yes. truck. I don't, you know, um, so I was like, oh, perfect. Like no more nine to five. I can do couches all day long, you know? Yes. Uh, so it was, all, that. that's how I find my like peace almost is knowing I have you know, multiple things up there. I was, I was going to ask you about that, um, about the importance that you think that people should have certain, certain types of different incomes coming in. Do you find, do you, do you believe that's like nowadays necessary? Like people should be somehow figuring out a way to make some trickling of income, whether it's especially nowadays something. Yeah, it's so important. It's like, well, one, right out of the gate, if this was like our grandparents' day and age, you and I couldn't even be on the Zoom right now. You, you would to, For you to do what you're doing to start a podcast, you'd have to go to Hollywood and you'd have to pitch yourself over and over and hear a thousand no's to maybe get like one chance at an episode. Where nowadays it's like, we just need a phone and like, a camera and you know and not even a mic like your phone is the camera and you can record your voice right on it like so yeah i think i think it's never been easier to create additional streams of revenue right like i always it gets back to like our first thing perspective it's like our grandparents day and age worked at a company and stayed there till they died (laughs) which was great which at the time that i i grew we we're like the first era where I remember uh, I read a Sunday funny when I was a little, little kid. And I'm a horrible reader, by the way. Ridiculously bad reader. <laughs> I, so I'd read these Sunday funnies every now and then. That was like, the only thing I could like really like pronounce, basically. And I remember this little Sunday funny. And this is, again, early, early, early 2000s. Sunday funny's like, um, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. And then the cartoon underneath it is like, oh, so you're unemployed. So at that time, like entrepreneurship was like, Oh, you just don't have a job, you know? Yes. That's what that. So now, yeah, it's like, it's between you're at that with TikTok. I mean, that's right now, that's the biggest creative space to build a following and create that additional revenue stream. And I know a lot of people will be like, oh, it's not that easy. And take Ashley, AKA Hagrid, AKA my girlfriend. She just, she just, just, and it's, what is it today? The November 11th. So a week ago ish she got her account and she's already at like 10,000 followers. And, and she, you know, she has these links to her Amazon stores where people buy from those links, she gets a percent. And like, it's just the easiest way to set up 
additional income. You know, it's like you don't need Hollywood or a million followers to generate income. Like those are the two biggest, I see people online now, like not really doing anything until they get to that magical, mythical million followers number. More followers you have, great. But if you had 10 followers that all bought from you, it's way more powerful than having a million followers where none buy, you know what I mean? It's yes. like, it's not necessarily the quantity, but the quality, you know, the conversion yeah. rates of those followers. Yes. So how do you find, how do you find, like you said, the, the more followers, the better, but how do you find it so that you're targeting a certain niche or you're, you're finding those followers that are going to be supportive and it's going to be a kind of a give and take, right? I give you value. Mm-hmm. I bring funniness to you. Like right. Niagara, Niagara, she brings laughs and joys and right. stuff like that. She's not just all like, buy this, buy this. Ha, ha, right. Ha, ha. right. She's, she's fun. She's enjoyable. How do you, how do you avenue yourself to be a real human so that yeah. people can see you and not just a, I want your money. And right. how do you find the right people? That, that for me, it's so different because with sales in general, I'm not scared to walk away and not do the deal. Like that's my biggest thing. And, and it's wise because I want to lead with like actually getting to know you, you know, or, or any of my followers. There's no, for me, there's no pressure to buy something or, you know what I mean? It's like, come to my page, enjoy the content, get, whether it's escapism for you and that's it perfect like you there's no I see a ton of creators and even like small businesses in Boston here that every one of their posts is like swipe up swipe up swipe up swipe up swipe up uh and nothing against swipe ups I've done them myself and will continue to do them but there's no for me there's no I don't need the sale so I think that's where people are like oh this is like a genuine dude he's not just here to I'm so petrified of ever being like this used car salesman in anything that I do and it started with the golf balls, like me at a young age selling golf balls. I wasn't on that tee box being like three for a dollar, three for a dollar. I'd have a cooler and I would sit there. And when they'd hit the ball, I'd be like, that's an awesome shot right there. Like you're going to have a great round. And then they'd be like, oh, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, like these golf balls are in the ocean. I get them and polish them up. And they'd be like, oh, I'll pay you for them. And I'd be like, sure, here's three for a dollar. And boom, now you got your sale. So it's leading with with actually getting to know the human. And, and I do that in my everyday life. Like there's no, whenever someone brings up like if they have a sales quota and they're like, oh, gotta hit quota, gotta hit quota. The less, and this is gonna sound so counterintuitive, but it's so true. The less you focus on, oof, I gotta hit my quota. And you focus on just providing as much value for that prospect as possible, your sales are gonna trickle in like crazy, you know? And for me with social media, like how I got started with the coffee, it came from my audience. So I would do these videos that were like the morning alarms that you see now. And I'd end each one of them with like, let's get dangerously caffeinated. And people, it started slow. It was like, hey, if you put this on a hoodie, I would buy the hoodie. And then I was like, huh, I never thought about doing merch before. So then I made a merch line and people started buying that. And they were like, hey, if you put this on a, on a coaster, I'd buy this or a cup or a shirt or a, you know, a beanie, a hat, I'd buy it. So I made all that. And then it was, wasn't until like six months later, people were like, where the hell is the coffee? They're like, you say, let's get dangerously <laughs> caffeinated. I Googled dangerously caffeinated, nothing pops up. What's the deal? And I was like, coffee. I go, I like coffee. I was like, that's genius. So it came from my audience. So I was, so then boom, the next thing you know, I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do you start a coffee company with, with no real knowledge of coffee, you know, like, uh, I drink it every day, but it, it came from the audience. So I think that's the biggest play too. Sometimes people download TikTok and they're like, okay, I want to sell cars or headphones or my podcast. Let, let your own energy do the talking, make skits, be yourself. And if that happens to align with what you're actually selling, perfect, right? You might start a TikTok tonight and, and in a month from now, be in a completely different direction where, where you thought you were going to go, you know, based on your audience. Your, I see creators post all the time, which is awesome. They're like, what do you guys want to see me post? What do you guys want to see me post? They, your audience has the best ideas ever, you know? TikTok's like the reverse of like music. Like if you go and see like Justin Timberlake perform, he's performing those 30 songs he wrote, he engineered, he produced. TikTok's like you go into a concert performing and to the audience, you're like, what do you want to hear me sing? 
and they decide what you sing. That's what TikTok yeah. is. And then boom, you have your, you know, your number one album based on what your all your fans wanted you to say and sing, you know? That is amazing. That that yes, I love it. Following following your audience, being open to to your audience and and being able to flow with your ideas and not just being like this is how I'm going to do it and that's it. Mm-hmm. Having being having an idea and a plan but being able to flow within the plan and and right. getting to your exactly. having a destination but not exactly how you're going to get there. You don't need every single step on how you're going to get to that destination. You just know that's where I want to go. Exactly. And that almost keeps people from starting. It's being like, "Oh, well, what's where do I end?" And in business, that's your first thing is always, "What's my exit strategy?" right so it makes sense but from a content perspective it's like just start just start like how i got my i was posting 10 videos a day for a year without getting any traction 10 videos a day you know and then it was like one or two every now and then would explode and go viral so it's like i look at like content as like at bats in baseball if you had one chance to hit a home run probably aren't gonna hit the home run if we had endless balls and we just keep throwing them at you you're probably eventually going to hit a home run, maybe a double at least, you know? So it's like the more at bats, the more videos you post, the better your chances of actually building a following. Yes. So, so with entrepreneurship and, and, and creating all this stuff, you, like you said, you, you created a coffee, like without even really knowing how to do it. Was there how important is it, especially if you're doing, you know, entrepreneurship on your own, you have your own branding, how important is it for you to find people to work with so that you can enhance, you know, not feeling like you're taking, someone's taking over your ish, your, mm-hmm. your product, you're not taking over somebody else's. How do you avenue people so that, you know, the ones that networking, how do you network yeah. about within entrepreneurship? Yeah. For me, it's the moment I don't know how to do something, time to partner up. Like for the coffee, that was so over my head. I was like, I, I can make merch. I can make logos. I can make content online. I know how to, I'm very handy with that. It's like the moment I don't, coffee was just so out of my realm. When it's out of your realm, you have two choices. You can either put the 10,000 hours into it and be the master of it or partner up. So the moment people were like, we want coffee. I was like, Oh man, I can't do this on my own. Like I got to partner up. I found a buddy of mine who oddly enough was looking to acquire a coffee company at the time. And I, he called me. Yeah. We, uh, Brandon Burnick, he's my business partner now from dangerously Caffeine. He's the behind the scenes guy and makes it all work. Right. He goes, Hey, uh, I see your videos. Like I'm, I'm thinking about buying this coffee company in the Midwest. What do you think? And I go, let's get together and get drinks and talk about it. We meet up for drinks and I go, what if instead of acquiring a different coffee company what if we just made it our own coffee company and boom we cheers and that was that it was like we we were like okay we're gonna make it our own so we our initial plan which was outrageous we were gonna fly to columbia to find these coffee fields meet the people and i'm like we're gonna end up on like a locked up abroad situation some sort of 60 <laughs> minutes episode of like two foreigners travel to columbia never to be seen again my mom's gonna be pissed so we ended up finding we ended up finding a roastmaster also named Kevin in Laconia, New Hampshire. It's like two hours north of here, and uh, he imports all the beans. So my business partner and I we went there. We tried all these different blends. Um, I didn't sleep for like a day because I was like, "That's a lot of caffeine." I like I got home that day and like reorganized my apartment. I was like, "I think we should move the bed over here." And uh, but we narrowed it down to three blends we loved, and we launched with them. And uh, so, yeah, the, the, for me, it's like the moment something's out of my element and I'm not like, okay, not super gung-ho into putting the 10,000 hours to being like the master. That's when it's time to partner up, um, you know. And nowadays too, it's like some people might be like, oh, I don't have a, a business partner who wants to do that. Put a story up on, that could be your first piece of content on TikTok right there. Hey, my name's so-and-so. I'm looking to start this business. I don't really know how, so I need a partner. Who's out there that could help? you know and boom if that video got a hundred views and 10 people actually responded you might have one in there that you know could actually be your new business partner so it's like it's never been easier to find and network to kind of escalate your brand or your ideas to the you know the next level 
Yes. With, I want, I want to ask a question. Have you ever felt a sense of fear of like coming up with an idea or asking somebody or ask, like putting your idea out there? This is what I want to start a business and having someone like take it, take your idea, make it their own. How do you, how do you help people with that fear of being able to start, um, mm -hmm. find what, find what they're needing within you know, product or, and other mm -hmm. people without being like, oh my God, if we, if we don't work out or if we chat and we're not connecting, they're not going to take my idea. Right. Right. It, for me, it's all about the execution of that. Like everyone has ideas. I, and I'm willing to bet 99% of people will forever just have ideas and no actual execution. So I've never, you know, wavered and sharing new, I, I have a new idea right now that I, I put out in the world all the time that I want to, there's all this commercial real estate in Boston for sale. And I want to buy it and have it be ground level with like glass, all glass out front. You ever watch TRL back in the day? Yes. TRL. So remember how like TRL would bring in like stars and athletes and outside they'd be in Times Square. Everyone had their little signs and stuff. I want to do that, but to Boston, but have the whole thing be a show. So the whole thing is like a TRL meets Rob Deerdex Fantasy Factory, where I bring in and call it like the content factory. You bring in anyone who wants to create content. You host podcasts like whoever the, the next Joe Rogan is 10 years from now, or whoever the next Caller Daddy podcast is 10 years from now. They come and they use the studio. And all, imagine if we were in a studio right now and all of our fans were right here watching us live. And you could do it over and over and over and week after week. So I put that out into the universe. Oh, that's my next thing that I'm trying to like really reach for in the next like year, two years. Everyone's going to hear about it. I channel five news is over here. I said that to them publicly. Yeah. Yes. I'm willing to bet I have the better execution of it than they would, you know? So it, it's really, I think ideas, and this is like a, a big, uh, like Gary V line, like ideas are shit. Execution is everything. It's so true. Everyone's got ideas. Very few people will ever actually, I mean, think about the effort that takes to, to, to you have the best ideas when you're like kind of lounging around, you know, and you're like, yeah, we should do this. And then you talk about it for a decade and you make no progress to it. The few that actually pull the trigger and say, you know what? Like, yes, let's put our money where our mouth is. Let's take the risk. I mean, what's the worst that happens? You die? Like, that, yeah. we're all going to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, there's no the risk for a lot of things that people think is too like this is a Jim Rohn line that like I was I'm a big Jim Rohn guy he was uh he was Tony Robbins mentor Jim Rohn goes you know how risky life is you're not gonna make it out of here alive and I was like whoa I was driving when I heard that line I needed to like pull over and like take that in yeah. life is so risky you're not gonna make it out of here alive so when people are like oh I can't do that can't start a podcast too risky can't quit your job to risk. You know what I mean? It's like, everything's risky. Life is risky. You know, there's a plane flying over as we speak. Like it could come down and crash on me right now. And that would be it. And that would be okay. Like that is life, you know? Um, yeah. So I think to, to answer your question, like it really is the execution of, of and, and for that, to your point, you have to be confident in yourself. So if you're putting really good ideas in the world, kind of knowing you're probably not going to do it, you're absolutely right. Someone, you know, more savvy might come up and, and steal it. And, and it happens all the time. I mean, look at Apple, like Steve Jobs kind of stole the idea from what's his face who engineered the whole thing and ran with it, you know? So it's like, sure, it absolutely can happen. But I, I think ideas too are limitless. Like if someone steals your idea, like for coffee, coffee is probably arguably the most saturated market on the planet. It just in this, in this, I'm in uh, the North End right now in Boston. I could probably, I could probably scan the horizon here, and we got a Dunkin's, a Starbucks, we got all these little mom pa coffee shops, and then right in the middle of it all, you got this small online brand called Dangerously Caffeinated. And for me, it's like, why do people buy us over Starbucks and Dunkin's? And it's because I was able to build a brand on social media. You can't walk into a a grocery store yet and buy dangerously caffeinated. So you have to know about TikTok and be on TikTok to be like a fan and a fan enough to either buy merch or buy the coffee. And yeah, it's all, and then for me back to like, you know, it's not about the sale. 
like, if you want to come to the page and just laugh with me, perfect. There's, you don't have to buy anything ever. If you like coffee and you want to try coffee and you want to try dangerously caffeinated coffee, sure. Mazel tov, try it, right? But there's no like, I'm in probably the most, the most saturated market on the planet with coffee. And yet we're still able to make a dent, you know, and, and, and run wild with it, you know? Yes. Do you, do you believe that it's important for you to get your ideas out into the universe so that the universe kind of can help conspire bringing it to you? And 100%. also when somebody has an idea, like you said, it's generally when we're like in a comfy state or we're just kind of all right. chatting and we're not going to be executing it at any point at that section. We just think of it. How does someone come up with an idea and then go, oh my God, I, that's going to be perfect. That's an awesome idea. How does somebody take the first step? How does somebody not just leave it as an idea? Yeah, I, uh, for me, that first step just comes in comfort with myself. Like if, if I would never, you know, and, and, and every day I try to do like one new bold thing a day that gets me out of my comfort zone. It's so easy to like stay in your own lane and especially now everyone's kind of working remote and you really don't have to see anyone ever. So um, yeah, I think it's important to put yourself out there, be confident in yourself one. Right. And then like, for me, it's like, again, back to the plates. like there's so many plates spinning. If we, if we go out and start this TRL meets Rob Deardex fantasy factory and we pump all this money into it and we try to build it up and it only lasts three months, six months, a year, and then burns, like the, the value you get in learning about every step of the way of how that actually came about is almost, almost more valuable than succeeding in it, you know? And there's like a real fine line there. Like money's great and all, but damn, like some of those life lessons you've learned, whether that's from horrible past relationships with ex-boyfriends and girlfriends who now you're like, oh my God, like I almost had to go through that to see what I was worth more, you know, whatever the case may be, or whether that's in business, right? And you get shot out of the sky and shot down like those, those, and it sounds so cliche, but really it's like you learn more when you fail than you do when, you know, um, you succeed. So that's, that's where, you know, taking your first step is so important. Yes. Are you somebody that believes that, you know, you like you said you you do this project and you say it only lasts three to six months are you somebody like you said you rather at least have done it yeah you you take a lot of lessons from it but you rather do it because if you didn't do it you would regret it are you a big regret person you don't want to ever have have that's any regret my, that's like my kryptonite that's my honestly that's by me over like large snakes and 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 sharks I think regret is like my number. That is, whew, that is so scary to me. That that like, uh, oh, what if I did this? Or 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 like being, we're all gonna be eighty one day, and we get to look back on like, wow, remember when I had this chance to do this thing and I didn't take it because I was comfortable? It's like, whew. yeah, you're so right. That I would rather, I'd rather blow like a hundred thousand dollars on this new idea and it completely burn, and me have to live off ramen noodles for a couple months till I rebound than to not do it at all and sit there and be like, oh, probably wouldn't have worked out anyway, right? And you're like, yeah, you, you say that, but sometimes it really does. I downloaded TikTok as a joke because I was bored during COVID and then like, look where we are. So it's like, yeah, I, I'm like a no stone unturned kind of guy. Like, let's try every idea possible, you know, and see what sticks and see what doesn't and, and grow from there. What is one of like your biggest lessons that you have learned? Can you share that that story that that time where you were like, "Whoa, this is this is definitely a big learning turn." Yeah, it's it's uh, whenever I jump into like a new industry. So like for some people, that's that's college, right? They're going from high school and trying to learn what the college life is all about. For me, it came when I jumped from. So I used to work at. Uh, I basically worked for this tool company after college and I did that for a bit. And then I transferred over and I did, um, I worked as the general manager at workout world back in the day. And that was two different things. It goes from selling tools to blue collar guys to managing people at a gym. And that was like, Whoa. And a huge failure between the two. Right. I was like, I'm not good at managing 
so you, you start to learn your strengths. And then after that, it was working in workout world to now to working at Toast, a tech startup selling tech sales in Boston. So it's always been these like huge kind of, you know, different career paths. Um, and each one has their own set of failures where it's like, whoa. I, I realized throughout working at a tool company, I don't want to sell tools to blue collar guys. Like love blue collar guys. Not, the, not I don't want to be 80 you know, or 60 or 50 or even 30 in that field, right? Manage the gym. I realized I cannot stand managing people. Like I like being, I think that's why entrepreneurship really spoke to me. It was like, you're your own. It's all on you, right? Like, like, if, like I remember Saturday mornings working there, I used to be home and someone, some, you know, 17 year old who's working the front desk of this gym just wouldn't show up. Who's got to cover that? Me, I got to figure out. Okay, who's who's covering? Most likely me at this point. I'm going in, driving in on your day off. Hated that. Transferred over to Toast. Tech sales. You're dealing with, you know, guys and girls who are wearing, you know, button-ups and Patagonia vests, and you're figuring out how to sell an item that isn't even tangible. It's through the interwebs. It's an item you can't even hold. You know, whether that's cybersecurity for some. You know, imagine working at Facebook. Like, how can you hold? I like things I can hold. So another challenge there. So it's always been these, these failures jumping into new industries, but that's what the, the growth is. Like now being 26, I'm like, okay, I know exactly where I want to be. And that's, and that's being in entrepreneurship, you know? Yes. With, within it, how important with being in, in entrepreneurship, how important is it for you to be resilient? Oof, literally everything every it's it's if you're not resilient you're you're done before you even get started because in entrepreneurship it's so lonely you're gonna hear so many no's you're gonna hear that idea is crazy it won't work too much money don't do it that's gonna be the worst investment ever right you have to be resilient even with COVID, like COVID struck everyone gets laid off like everyone had to find their own resiliency to either find a new job or what i think happened to a lot of people and they were like oh I actually hated what I was doing. Now I can actually, whatever it was, start a restaurant, you know, do go to culinary school, you know, get into sales in a different organization. Like you really were able to kind of slow down in life, you know, and pick out the next industry you wanted to go into. But yeah, resiliency is everything. I mean, that's, that's like the ultimate, because, because worst case, it's like that old saying, it's like get knocked down nine times, get up 10. If you're not resilient, you're knocked down at the first time you get knocked down and you're knocked down forever. You're not even gotten back up from that. You know, entrepreneurship is almost like boxing where there's rounds and like round three or four, you might get hit and you're laying there and the refs over your face being like seven, eight, nine. And if you don't get up at 10, you're done. So you have to continue. And you, you know, when you get up, you're about to be hit again. So there's that like mental game of like, if you get up, it's not over. Like it, you are now about that bell rings again and you, you eat, people are punching you left and right. So it's like, yeah, you're, and, and then mentally knowing, oh, this, these rounds are never going to end. There's rounds every day. Right. So, but, but, but at the same respect, it's thinking back to perspective. It's like, as hard as this is, is it really as hard as someone who went through world war one? You know, that's where my mind goes always. And for me, that works. I have a twin sister and I said that to her. She hates that line, right? Because for some people, it doesn't work, right? It's like, yeah, well, I wasn't in World War One, Kevin. So I, so for some, it works. For some, other, and you have your own battles and you make whatever analogy or metaphor you need to make to find your own perspective. That's the one that works for me. Um, so yeah, resiliency is everything. Yes. Within resiliency, I, I want to talk about the, the, I find resilient, the first like knockdown I find people notice is they come up with this idea, they have this great theme and the first kind of blow is family and friends are not the ones that are the most supportive. And it's kind of like a big like shock. You're like, but why are you not like, you love me, you're my friend. Why are you not supporting me? You would think they'd be the first to grab your sweaters, your merch off of everything. And then you walk around and they don't even have one sweater. They don't buy your coffee, but then they're like, I love what you're doing, keep going. Yeah. How, do you, how do you get your mindset out of that to know that, yeah, they, they can be supportive, but not have to be in your business with you? Yeah, I think that's huge to separate the two. Like, I think if your business plan 
starting off relies on mom and dad buying whatever you're selling, just stop right there. Like that's, that's, if you're, if my business model ever was like, Hey, if my five family members don't purchase, I'm going to go out of business and the business, your, your, your business plan should be okay. Outside of my family and friends. And you always hear like, you know, tech start or any kind of startups relying on family and friends. If they want to great. But if you're forcefully trying to sell them on whatever your product is, I mean, that's my big beef with, with, uh, you know, those like Monette and Amway, you know, things that you hear about. It's like they say in there, and I've been to those just to, just to hear them out. Never have done it because the first thing is like, you're going to turn around, you're going to go to mom and dad, you're going to go to your brother and sister, you're going to go to your cousins, your aunts, your neighbors, and you're going to sell to them. They're going to buy it from you. It's like that, the moment you put a dollar amount on your family members, oof, that relationship gets a little, little gray. Like you should not have to, if they want to contribute, perfect. If you're like, hey, mom, you got to buy this makeup kit or protein powder. Uh, and then you got to turn around and go to work and sell it. It's like, for me, it doesn't, it just doesn't get me going, right? It doesn't, I like knowing, hey, I'm able to, and it's what I've done with TikTok. It's what I've done with merch, coffee, cameos. You build an audience that wants to support you, not needs to, and not you being a used car salesman, going to mom and dad to try to get their referrals, you know, build an audience that wants to actually buy what you're selling. And that's, that'll be, that's like the number one piece of advice ever, you know? Um, so that's the key. Yeah. It's like you're, your, your parents almost should say, no, that idea is stupid. Like it happens to me every day. I go home. My mom's like, what is this TikTok thing? This is like, you're out of your mind. They're super supportive, obviously, but same deal. Like, I think, uh, I've given them all the coffee, all the hoodies in, in bucket loads, right? Like they shouldn't have to buy that stuff. You know, that, that should be the perk of having, you know, whoever it is in business as, you know, as kind of leading the front. It's like, it's for me, it's all house money too. There's no, it's like gambling. If I go to the casino and lose a thousand dollars, I don't then freak out and say, well, this casino stinks. It's like, if I lose a thousand, I lose a thousand. That's it. If I make money from a thousand, great. You know, it's almost how I go into business too. It's like, again, back to the failure. You almost learn more without having mom and dad as your support and figuring out, okay, the people that don't even know me, that don't, that didn't birth me, didn't raise me. Do they like what I'm doing? Are they going to buy this? If that's the case, then you're onto something. Because you almost get false confidence. If your whole family is like, yeah, you go. I'll buy the coffee. I'll buy the merch. Now you got five or six sales. You're going to be like, woo. And then another sale doesn't come in for a month. You're, you know what I mean? You're going to spiral. And then you're going back to your parents to get five more sales. You know, it's like that idea has to work to people that almost hate you or don't know you. And they want to still buy from you. Then, then you have a real business. Yeah. So I want to just a question off of that. Like you said, sometimes you, you want your parents to almost be like, that's a silly idea. Or that's like, Sean, how do you find the line, the line between not letting their maybe no's or, Ooh, that's, that's a wild, or that's a very risky. Don't do that. If you know, you know, and you're like, I want to do it. How do you separate that? Is it like, uh, I'm going to do it and just kind of show you as I go that I am capable of doing this? Or is it I'm going to prove you wrong? How do you get it so that your family is kind of like on board a little bit, making fun of you a little bit, like yeah. you say, but it's on board? For me, it's, it's very much look like for me, it's all perspective. But look at your parents' perspective. They didn't grow up with the Internet. They didn't grow up with these opportunities. You know, so for, I, I know my dad, when he got his first job, that was supposed to be his job. He worked at just like his dad did till he died. Right. So they're viewing this as, you know, unsafe and risky, which totally makes sense from how their perspective is. It's almost like driving in a car, the driver and the passenger, like when Ashley, my girlfriend's in the car, it's all these, oh, watch out. Oh, don't. And she can't see what I can see. I have the side view mirrors. I have the rear view mirror. I see a different perspective than what she sees. She thinks we're close to the curb. I know we got six inches. You know what I mean? And it's perspective. Your family at the dinner table being like, don't do that. That's risky. They're, they're in a totally different seat than you are. They can't see the same 
trajectory you're going on, right? So it's like, you, I almost thank them. I'm like, thank you, great observation. But I know from X, Y, and Z people doing it that I follow that this, this is going to be a profitable thing down the line. So it's like, one, having confidence in yourself, knowing your parents' perspective is your parents' perspective, and that's it. It's nothing more than that. It's not your perspective, right? And, and you know in your own heart, I'm confident in this. I want to do this. If it brings you joy, ultimately, too, we're not stopping ever, right? No matter how many no's you get. Um, and that's the key. It's like you're viewing what you want to do from a completely different lens than your parents, you know? Yes, yes. How do you how do you step away from that and go, thank you, I, I see your observation, but then find somebody who is of influence of you and try and get yourself somehow into their life or learn from them. And do you have besides Jocko, who are your like main influences and how do you work within them? Or how, do you know your yeah. influences? Do you have connection with them or do you follow them? How do you find, how do you find that mentorship, that influence so that you can go, no, I know this is attainable. I see yeah. your, I see your observation, but I know it's attainable because I, this person's already doing it. I just need right. to learn somehow what he's doing and then make it my own. How do you work with that? I, for me, like it started in college, which is, it's funny. Cause like, this is, this is probably like the one really useful day of college that I had. We had to do this. You had to come up with an, it was a sales competition and it was, you didn't have to do it. It wasn't part of class. It was an extracurricular thing that you could do. And me and a buddy came up with this. It, you had to come up with this innovation like shark tank and you'd pitch it to the sharks. It was, it was this in this big room in front of all these people. Long story short, we pitched this idea, which was basically like a digital app that you could track active and non-active parking spaces. Completely made up idea and completely like almost unfeasible. Like imagine you're in Boston and you know on your phone, oh, this major spot just opened up. Oop, this one across the street just opened up in real time, right? Long story yeah. short, we won, we won this competition. And that was my first taste of like, oh my God, like, impractical ideas could actually and we won like a thousand bucks to put money towards that idea it was obviously going to be billions of dollars to try to actually make this idea happen I mean, we're talking like you would need sensors in every parking long story short uh we won the idea still so i was like oh, okay like you can almost be unreasonable and still win right like we, that was kind of the goal so that was my first taste of like you know there's no idea back to the no stones unturned like there's no idea you know, not worth exploring and sure it may not pan out, but yeah, I mean, ultimately it's like, I would follow your heart. Like what makes you happy at the end of the day is the biggest thing. And for me, I didn't have a ton of mentors in person. I listened to a ton of Gary Vee, ton of Tony Robbins, ton of Jim Rohn, ton of Jocko. Those are like my top four, you know, that I'd listen to like all the time. And even still to this day, every morning I listen to Jocko for a little bit. Um, you know, so yeah, it, you don't even need, that's, what's crazy about growing up in this day and age, like sub, you know, subsequent to your parents, like you don't need in person, uh, you know, people to be in your life physically there across the table from you, you know, to be a mentor. You can have mentors you've never even met. I met Gary Vee once in an airport. We were, we were passing through TSA together. That was my, but I never, other than that, I've never actually ever actually knew him, but I knew so much of him and he created so much value for me without even knowing it, you know? So yeah, I mean, the power of social media, like everyone nowadays has, has a podcast. Everyone has unlimited hours of content. If you can't be around them, at least hear them through, the, through your headphones, you know, every day, hour here, half hour there. When you're in the car, maybe instead of listening to music, put on a podcast that for someone who's doing something you want to be, I mean, if you want to be a guru in real estate, boom, you got Ryan Serhan. He was just over here a little while ago. He's got a podcast. You know, you want to be a typhoon in tech, search tech podcast. It's going to pop up. Like, you want to be a master in jujitsu? Like, listen to Joe Rogan. Like, there's so every, in any industry, you can see who you want to be and almost follow their footsteps of how they got there. Yeah. Speaking of Ryan, was he there to help you get this new project kind of on the go? No, no, I didn't pitch it to him. No, this is like, this is new within the last like week. So Ryan came over here uh, like three weeks ago now to film a morning alarm and to film some content. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, real estate's like definitely something I'm like very much interested in. And that, and again, kind of still a little bit over my head, right? So like talking to guys like Ryan and just hearing different podcasts of how real estate ebbs and flows and 
you know, the power of investing and stuff like that. So uh, it's something I'll do in the next, you know, three months to a year, you know, start really heavily focusing on that. Um, it's kind of my next thing. Like I'm always looking for the next, you know, the next high almost, if you will, like um, kind of the next, like, you know, you have like Kevin, you know, 1.0 and then you got 2.0 and 3.0, like what's the next rendition of yourself? So I'm always looking for that. Yes. Yes. So when are you, how, when are you wanting and hoping to have this new project of yours on the go so that people are knowing of it and how are you looking for people to help you create it? How are you looking for the people in the house? Like, how are you going to avenue this? Cause like you said, it's a big project, but what yeah. little steps, little uh, t- tiny things that you already have in your mind, how are you going to like make it real? Yeah. For me, I got to see it. Like right now that space I want to get in Boylston, it's just, a, it's an empty lot. So I go there probably once a week and just put my hands on the glass and I look around I'm like okay we put the studio over there and we put a small little basketball court over there and we have like you know a bar in here and so I got to visualize it heavy first um and then second it's finding the actual finances so I'm trying to think now of like we're trying to get um like truly as a sponsor or get you know Budweiser or, or, or Sam Adams or Harpoon as a sponsor to then put the money up to buy the space or lease the space, whatever that looks like. So that's kind of step one. It's like, find your location, find your financials. Like, how are you going to, how are you going to financially own this space or lease the space? Um, And then from there, it's like, I have a pretty good network of creators that I know, like if I was to call right now being like, Hey, I have this really cool space called content factory. You got to swing by uh, that. I could get people in every day. And then through their followings and my own, I'd have enough of an audience to then actually come out and support. And um, so for me, it's kind of a passion project, right? Like it doesn't even have to turn a profit, you know, for the first couple of years. Like I know it's something I want to do, but to almost have a hub where creators can come and create is, is the goal um, and turn that whole thing into like an actual, you know, show is like the dream. So just baby steps, finding the location, visualizing it, financing it and then pull the trigger on it. Oh, that is so fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for you um, and all that's to come. Um, I don't, <clears throat> I don't want to keep you too long because I know you are a very, very busy guy. So I'm going to um, ask you my, my final question. Um, yeah. Before I do, I just want to say thank you so much for your time your energy and all the value that you brought to the podcast episode. I'm very grateful for you and thank you for, you know, being such a, a light uh, to the world and never, never feeling to dim your own light and allowing others to shine their light. So thank you very much. You are making the world a very better place, um, a more happier place, a more place of being okay with being themselves. Um, I find that you really allow people to do that within your videos, your content. Um, You allow people just to feel good about who they are. So thank you so very much for that. Well, thank you for saying that. That means the world, honestly. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. So my final question for you is, what is your perspective on positivity? It's for me, it's like how I, it started when I was raised right? Like my parents raising me were so positive, you know, at all points too. Like if anything major happened, you know, when I was growing up, my dad, he got, he got laid off, you know, 2008 when that whole crisis took place. Uh, as a kid, we didn't even notice it. We didn't know dad was laid off. You know, it's like, everything's always positive. So that's where I get my positivity from. It's like in my own DNA. Um, but like, you know, I made a video this morning. There's uh, the USS Constitution is like right over this way across the water here. They they Great Britain nicknamed it Old Ironside, and they called it Old Ironside because when Great Britain during the Revolutionary War here would launch its cannonballs at it, the cannonballs would just bounce right off the side of the boat. They couldn't penetrate the boat, so it got it really was like whoa. So negativity is going to try to get into your own mind. You almost need your own old iron side to bounce that off and that's positivity that's that's having positive it's so easy for your emotions 
and negative thoughts to seep into your brain. And they don't even know what they're doing there. Sometimes you can just sit there and you're like, whoa, why am I starting to feel this way or feel anxious and depressed? Your, your emotions, your negative emotions have no idea what they're doing. They're just circulated in there. It's up to you to stand guard of your own brain and say, turn on that light of positivity. That's what, that's what should be. And you know what I mean? So that's, that's it. Like um, positivity is the game and you get there through perspective. You know, that's, that's like the end all be all right there. Oh, I love it. Do you mind ending the podcast with your famous quote? Yes. Favorite saying? I would absolutely love that. Yes. hundred percent. Give me, give me the full, give me your full, um, the sh- full show name, just so I know I'm saying everything right. Uh, positive spark plug. There this it is. is a, yes. yes, positive spark plug. Good morning, you bad, beautiful bitch. You, you're listening to positivity spark plug. Is that it? Positive spark plug. Throw it up. Lock it down. Maybe you're looking at yourself and being like, huh, I do need a spark of positivity in my life. And you're tuning into it right now, you bad, beautiful bitch. You, quick weather check just for y'all. Oh, it's bitching clouds, literally minimal sun, literally maximal. You can, you got to be a friend, tell a friend. We'll just throw it up, lock it down. Let's have the best damn day of our lives out there and get some positivity in us, shall we? Let's do one thing together. I to you, you to I. Let's get dangerously. And I mean dangerously. Caffeinated hugs and kisses per huge gang. Love ya. Oh my, isn't that just phenomenal? I don't even want to go on too much about that because, well, he finished that episode perfectly with his saying. So, with that being said, please rate and review the podcast for it truly does get the value of my guests out there to more listeners and it allows me to know that I am on the right track. Also, please share this on your socials. Tag us at Kevin Cooney on Instagram and at Sparkplug Wellness for me on Instagram. It is Spark Positivity on TikTok and at Kevin Cooney for TikTok for him. Follow us, share this, let your friends know about it. And finally, it is now time to go out and do something positive and be positive.